Welcome back to the What's Happening in Trade podcast from CGI. This is part two of our discussion with Marcel Rokash, the Senior Director of Global Solutions at Royal Bank of Canada. If you haven't already, please feel free to listen to part one to hear Marcel's thoughts on digitization initiatives, emerging technologies, and APIs in the trade finance industry. Um, so uh, shifting a slightly different direction, um, if we just uh, talk about what we've seen and, and, you know, I think we all feel this. I actually, I would say, you, you know, probably four years ago, I feel like I always reference the fact that I work in this niche industry. No one's ever heard the term SWIFT. No one knows anything about trade finance. No one knows what's going on in the world of supply chain finance. feels like all of a sudden with the pandemic and, you know, what's happening geopolitically now, we we seem to be at the, the forefront in a very um, surprising way is what I'll say. Uh, but if we talk just about that that supply chain backlog and what we've seen in that space, um, is there anything that your bank is doing to, to try and, and help your corporate customers in, in terms of results? Solving some of the issues that we're seeing on the supply chain side? Yeah, I mean, there's no question that's a tough nut to crack. And I think when you're faced with the toughest of problems, it's important to step back and understand what you can impact and what you cannot impact, right? And I think that's a little bit of analysis that we've done. But I would say, first and foremost, and it relates to trade finance, but not only to trade finance, is we try to remain flexible on a day-to-day -day basis, client situations that arise uh, with our clients. Um, I don't think this is exclusive to RBC, but I know that we pride ourselves on individual heroism to step in and help clients, whether if some goods are sitting in a port and let's say, I don't know, God forbid it's apples <laughs> and you know things have to happen quickly. And I think um, what we readied ourselves with is a willingness to be flexible, to adapt, to learn about our client situation, whether additional funding is required, but to understand it in the context of our client relationship and to do that. So that was a powerful one for us. And we came up individually right across the bank with client treatment plans across every single business, which we've synthesized and showed to our relationship managers and to our trade sales force, right? So that people could right away understand. We we look to cut fees, we look to um, um, do a variety of things that were just necessary as a as a global community, right? Um, I, I think that uh, the other thing we did is focus on digital enablement, right? And like I said, we broke down some of the barriers with our compliance folks with some, you know, maybe slightly heated discussions uh, and made sure we were able to break through some existing um, issues uh, and maybe take on some risk that we didn't before. Taking on risk is another way to, to do things for clients sometimes, right? And, and I think we did it here. Uh, being able to process doc documents um, without ink signatures, um, using a variety of adapted methods to be able to process transactions quickly, accurately, and effectively. So that was another thing. I mentioned RBC Global Connect, and you know, RBC Global Connect has been fed in to a, a broader thought leadership capability that RBC has put forward to the trade clients through the pandemic and that's helping with supply chain issues. So we've numerous articles uh, out there um, using the tool to help clients find and maybe even sometimes alerting the clients to say, oh, look, there's a client in Spain who sells this component and you look like you 
you know, are offering this component, you know, why don't you get together and sort of we're acting in the background uh, to help those things go forward. Um, uh, but really sort of emphasizing the importance of building resilient supply chains as opposed to the, you know, sometimes commonly cited inventory principle of just in time, which is I think starting to fade a little bit these days um, because it, you know, in some respects it hasn't worked, right? That, that notion of just in time changing to just in case, right? Yes, exactly. And, and um, so, yeah, so I think those are the things that, that we've done and we continue to try and do because I don't think this one's quite done yet, right? And and, um, and you can picture certain things on the up, but I would say with the Ukraine-Russia situation that there may be some things on the down. So um, I, we always have to keep our eyes open. We continue to live in, in very interesting times for better or for worse, right? And it also points to um, what's happening within mainland China, right? Um, the, the zero COVID policy uh, ha has potential impact for supply chains when you have to lock down, you know, large uh, production cities. Um, that just that's going to cause backlog, whether you like it or not. It's just unquestionably. Yeah. Yep. Uh, China, a high proportion of our trade that where we use letters of credit guarantees are, are with China, right? Yep, absolutely. So uh, let's let's um, take a slightly different bent. Uh, uh, another area that has been of, you know, just in every press release, every conference junket, you know, you can't turn left or right without talking about it. Is is the the concept of um, ESG or, or kind of sustainability linked to, to the um, the S part of ESG, or sorry, the E part of ESG? Um, and I think. One of the questions we have for for you is going to be um, your bank is and certainly I think we see RBC as one of the, the leaders in this space. But um, what do you what can you tell us about efforts that you're undertaking on the ESG side? And that's for, for folks that may not be familiar, environmental, social and governance um, and and kind of sustainable lending and um, practices that can come into play to to help um, that angle of things. Right. And it's it's been an area of critical focus. Um, and I think uh, there's been a ton of emphasis and effort behind this. Um, and sometimes it, it's, you know, the, the press release may be out there, but I guess it'd be interesting to hear, you know, what, what you have going on within um, your side of the house and, and what you're seeing on a day to day. Yeah, I think this is an important question without doubt. Everybody wants to do their part. And I think for me, I have to start by saying that I'm proud to work for an organization that takes these things so seriously, right? And uh, for example, recently committing to um, net zero um, as a bank by 2050. Now that's a long horizon, but there's already people working on how that breakdown looks and how we're gonna get there. Um, you know, everybody knows fossil fuels are an absolutely essential part of living today. You just have to visit Ontario to know that virtually every house is run by natural gas. So, but how do you make that transition effectively? And I don't know of an organization that takes it more seriously than RBC. So uh, from that perspective, uh, I'm, I'm proud, but, but then it's about how do we do it in, in, in the trade finance line of business, right? Uh, and so I think in that regard, um, I probably know more in this last month because this is getting so much attention and, and it's kind of filtering down to the lines of business, individual lines of business than I did 
by far uh, uh, in a, a few months ago. So, and we've met with certain vendors and certain um, uh, providers that, that offer really quite incredible solutions. So I'll just list a couple things, a few things, sorry. Um, uh, first of all, I'd say it's the attitude you take. So um, there are companies, one of them we met, which I won't name, uh, that has uh, uh, this remarkable data solution that is looking through the the magic of big data to create an ESG score that will be applicable to virtually any company in the world. And and um, and to break it down from you know where where are the goods coming from, where is it shipped? It's it's an enormous amount of data, an enormous amount of of, um, of specifics. And the thought that we have is that's nice, but how do we leverage that to help our clients? So rather than throw an ESG score at them, how do you use the understanding of what comprises, you know, um, a, a great approach? to sustainability, right? And help your clients get there and work with them to get a better understanding and be a cheerleader for your clients. Um, um, and it it poses potential great advantages for any company that's going down this path. Because um, as your stakeholders respond positively to the way you are behaving with your clients, to uh, potential cost reductions through lower energy consumption, um, minimized regulatory interventions because believe me those types of things are coming <laughs> and are already there at some level yeah and i think you attract talent right like people well i've been around a long time so they're not attracting my talent but people like me who kind of are like i said proud that we're, we're leading edge on these kinds of things the e and the g on on esg you know in terms of bipoc systemic racism I mean, you know, uh, RBC has launched several major initiatives uh, for black entrepreneurs, uh, indigenous uh, support, probably second to none in the industry. And, and I think that we look to support that any way we can. I just want to make one final point on this. I don't want to go too long on it, but the other solution in trade finance specifically relates to using export credit agencies um, to help for example, the export of clean technologies from Canada, right? Uh, we're very good at it. And and so previously, you know, the raised eyebrow might come for those kinds of um, deals and transactions. I don't know. But uh, I know that that will no longer be the case and that EDC has already voiced, you know, an interest in working together with Canadian banks to provide something for our clients. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what kind of levers we have um, in, in the financial services sector, as well as in the world of trade specifically, um, to really help support these initiatives because they, they absolutely are critical. Um, I think everyone recognizes it and we're all trying to kind of push in the same direction. Um, and some of us are, are a little further ahead on the curve than others. Um, interesting point about uh, attracting talent too. I think that's a really important one for folks to understand. Um, I, I'll, I'll uh, put my hand up and say I, I'm from the millennial generation, right? It's important to us. If you go a generation even further, uh, I, I don't think you know folks want to be associated um, if you're a Gen Zer with uh, companies that aren't thinking about this because they recognize the long-term implications for themselves, and um, that's that's just the reality of it. Um, so I would also say there's a loop back on climate and supply chain disruption when you look at extreme weather conditions, flooding in Vancouver, wildfires. Um, yeah. 
and and some of this stuff you have to think about it not in terms of you know the next quarter you got to be thinking about it in terms of the next five ten years right uh, it's it's really important that you have a little bit of a longer time horizon and understanding strategically of the importance and criticality of this i mean fundamentally not just to your business but you know to the globe um, exactly <clears throat> uh so Great. This has been, you know, we've, we've had some really good questions here. Um, I've got I've got one more for you and then we'll do a little bit of a rapid fire at the end, maybe. Um, it, the, the next item, just if we look broad spectrum, well, a little bit narrow and then a little bit broad and, and think about trade. What do you what do you see really impacting the trade business kind of over the next year? And then if we look a little bit further out, let's say over the next five years, Marcel. Yeah. Um... You know, I'm going to just go on a limb because I'm a I'm a positive guy and say that the trend is going to be positive. I haven't cleared that with my RBC economist, <laughs> although they I think they they're forecasting somewhere in the mid threes for growth in 2022 and and something lower one point something one point eight or so that's a guess but it's under two uh, in, in 2023. So so I think there's a sense that. Things are potentially on the up, but the potential for volatility, the potential for things to get off the rails, perhaps greater than it ever was, right? So, and we've mentioned a few of them. Uh, let's throw in inflation, right? Um, central banks kind of rallying around inflation. And, you know, when you even have a bit of economics background like myself, enough to be dangerous, it rings true. The rates are going to go up. They need to go up. And sometimes that chokes off investment to some extent. Um, you look at Russia, Ukraine, it, it's really hard to foresee how that might progress. Uh, 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 you know, COVID, I mean, have we heard the last of it? Are, are we emerging from the pandemic as everyone hopes and expects? Or is there another, uh, another something else that's going to materialize? So being a prognosticator is going to be a tough business, so I'm not in that business. So what I am going to say, though, is that those that understand the mix of forces that are at work are the ones that are going to be ahead of the curve and be able to win over their clients. So it's not so much in being able to prof prophesize the future, but to know what are, the, what are the threads, what are the important forces at work. So I think supply chain is, uh, is one that's already there. Uh, and that we need to kind of get ahead of how we help our clients rebuild those, okay? I think, uh, broadly speaking, I think globalization is a macro trend, okay? You hear about reshoring, you, and, and some of that out of necessity because of the pandemic, certain things like medical supplies, vaccines. I, as well as others that I've heard many in the trade business, truly believe that globalization is not going away and it's inevitable. So, and not only is it inevitable, it is incumbent upon us as participants in the industry to make that case clear that we all win when we share capabilities across the globe rather than um, try to compartmentalize, be reshore, onshore. And, and um, so I think that that's something that's going to be important going forward as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric on the on the reshoring and these sorts of things, but I believe that businesses have managed who have managed to get some kind of competitive advantage who, who know or understand their suppliers in China or wherever it may be, it's pretty hard to break that 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 connection. Um, and I think the numbers to some extent show that that's true. I think that um, 
being digital was always going to happen, but now it's, you know, over the next few years, you could see it um, happening quicker. I think one of the actions that we want to take, Pat, is, um, is to sort of get involved with the government and talk to them about paving the way for legislation that will enable electronic and digital documents, right? And to start to uh, act within the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, this is in Canada, right? And we have certain political avenues. And, and, and to, to, to just show how important this is and to ultimately electronify the bill of lading and bold prediction, as I do with my son, we do the top five NBA or NFL predictions, bold prediction for Marcel that, that that digitization hurdle will be crossed in the next five years. I'll just throw that out. But, you know, we're going to need we to- like, We like bold predictions here. There you go. Why not, right? I, 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 I Not so much of a bold prediction, but I would also say that all the technology that we're going to use in the next five years, we already know about, right? So- I think that there's some truth there, right? I think you look around and what's there is amazing. <laughs> the idea is, you know, how do you deal with switching costs? How do you deal with with integration costs? How do you deal with with the in, in information security aspects? How do you deal with the um, compliance and AML aspects? And let's get moving on these capabilities. And um, and I think uh, the the CGI advisory that we work with. Uh, you guys, those ideas are already there, and we're already talking about them. And it's for it's up to us to put them into action going forward. So um, I think that's what I see it is really just a positive trend going forward, where we understand where the greatest impact can be had, and we're going to have some clarity because of of the water under the bridge, the water that's passed under the bridge. So may, maybe a few years of clarity in terms of where we're aiming. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really astute point. That the uh, the notion that you know the technology that we're going to be relying on over the next five years is probably already it's already out there, right? We have a ton of tools available to us today. It is amazing what we can do. I think it's going to be a matter of adoption and implementation, and, and looking at you know novel ways to apply this technology to to really solve problems. That's that's what we're here for. <clears throat> um, all right, so. Uh, on that note, Marcel, I'm going to take us down a rapid fire route. Um, you've had no prep on this. I'll, I'll, no prep. I'll, no prep. Um, so three questions. Keep it simple and straightforward. You can be as short or as long winded as you choose to be. Um, first question, easy one. Your favorite book, movie, or sport? For book, I'm going to. I'm a fiction reader. I got to say that I love fiction. It makes me weird in my areas. Everybody's reading. It seems uh, nonfiction. But I like fiction. I like nonfiction too. And and the book Entitlement Now by Steven Pinker, um, I agree with. Um, that's not why I read it, but I agree with Bill Gates. Uh, he was a professor of a friend of mine uh, at Yale, and uh, Steven Pinker is an amazing guy. He lays out in the. I would suggest because it's a big book. If you only want to read the first half, read the first half. It is the most amazing compilation of statistics showing how history has progressed in a positive way when it comes to the reduced hunger in the world, the, the reduced number of deaths due to war. The, it is a statistical compendium without, without match. And so an incredible book that I would recommend to anybody that's reading. It's called Entitlement Now. Sorry, Enlightenment Now, excuse me, Enlightenment Now by Steve Pinker. I'll have to check that one out. That's an interesting, interesting choice. Good, very good answer. Um, all right, 
the second question uh, is the future of the trade experience, the trade finance experience, um, and I, I would view this from your customer perspective, is it more like an Apple experience or more like an Android experience? <laughs> and, and interpret that however you want to. Yeah, you're not going to get a good answer from me on this one because I'm an Android person who uses Apple. So just figure that out. Um, I, I, I think Apple is the answer ultimately um, because we overcomplicate things for our clients and trade is already complicated. And I always beg my people internally to to um, to, to simplify any any screens, any, I think you might've even heard that from me. I always say, no, 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 we've got to simplify this. So. Yeah, that's, that's great. Good, very good answer. Very good answer. Um, okay, last question. If you had a, a magic wand, you could trade, change anything about the way we we do trade finance today. What would you change and why? Yeah, I'm going to have to. We've talked about this, so I'm going to have to say, you know, be a little practical because uh, I guess that's been the theme, anyways. So e bill of lading, right? I mean, uh, I've talked with my team, people who know more about me uh, than in trade specific things, the rules that govern it, and they view the e-bill of lading as the tipping point. Uh, and I think if we do that, that, that all of the technology will coalesce around it and we'll be here doing uh, a, a podcast in a year from now or two years from now in a fully digital, digitized trade environment. We're not there uh, yet. I, I sincerely hope that that is the case. I, I look forward to that that true end-to-end -end digitization. So on that note, Marcel, uh, really, really thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we, we appreciate you taking time out of your day. Nancy, as always, thanks for joining as well. Um, that's it for the What's Happening in Trade podcast. Uh, thank you all. We will see you next time. Thank you, Pat and Nancy. Thank you, Marcel.